The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. I hope you'll bear with me. We're going to do a 10-week long road trip. I love road trips, and I know a lot of you go on road trips. And to me, the longer the better. Over the last 11 years, I've been basically on the road. Uh, My time helping churches transition takes me to far away places from where I live. Some of my commutes have been shorter than others. I had a four-mile commute for two and a half years. That was kind of nice. I could actually go home for lunch. I've had them 80 miles long, and to get here, I drive 135 miles just to be with you on Sunday morning. And I love taking the roads, and I love taking the off-roads, the the side roads, getting off of the main highway and seeing what all of the, the side roads. I've taken some around through here in the Paso area, and it's just fun to be on those old roads because they follow the land. They're not cut through. They're not flat and straight. They, they wind, they dip, they go up and they down. And to me, that makes them an adventure because you re- never really know what's, what's coming, what's around the next turn. Now, we have GPS, I know. You can, always, you can see the road ahead, but I turn that off because it's more fun to be surprised and it's more fun just to experience what the road brings into our lives. We suffer the consequences, but we're rewarded with the vistas, the scenery, and the impact of of where that road takes us in our lives. You know, life is a lot like a road, and that's why I think I like roads and road trips. Life is like a road. And, and I, you heard Beth Moore talking about the paths of God and, and the way God leads us and, and the way our life takes. It's very much like traveling, like a road trip. So we're going to look at the book of Acts. It's really the, the church's road trip, the church from day one into its worldwide spread. That's a pretty amazing road trip. But I want to start this morning with what Jesus had to say about roads in general. And when he gathered the crowd on the mountaintop to speak to them, he gave them lots of stuff. And near the end, he talked about roads and about what each of our roads are like and what kinds of roads we should be looking for. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 13, this is what he said. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and there's only a few that actually find it. Broad, wide, easy. Where does it lead? destruction, narrow, steep, windy, hard to find. Where does it lead? It leads to life. When I take a vacation, I love to take all the different roads that are 
available to me, all the different options, to see the, the place. You go and you just sit on the highway. You take a, an organized tour and sit in a bus. You don't really see much. It's when you get off of those main roads. It's when you get on the small roads. It's when you get on the difficult roads, the ones that sometimes are hard to follow and hard to find and track, that you really experience the place you're at. One of my most memorable was a few years back. It was on a trip to the Hawaiian, uh, the Hawaiian island of Lanai. Lanai, we, saw, we say Hawaii, they, you know, they got to emphasize all those funny uh, vowels and, and stuff. But Lanai is where we went. A childhood friend of mine, his name is Steve, invited me to come, invited our whole family to come and stay with him on the island of Lanai. Now, on the island of Lanai is an, an incredibly gorgeous bay called Manali Bay. This is the place where Bill Gates rented for his wedding. In fact, he rented every hotel room in the entire island for his wedding. Now, we did not stay at Manali Bay Resort, okay? We couldn't afford to stay at the resort. We had an even better accommodation my friend Steve, every summer, would set up a tent compound right on the beach. He would set up four tents, and he invited us to come and stay with him in one of those, in one of those tents for a week. We would get up in the morning, open the tent, and there is the most gorgeous bay you've ever seen. Dolphins would come in and out, and we could go out, and you would swim with the dolphins, not in a swimming pool, in the ocean. Mahi-mahi would swim through, and if you were snorkeling out there, you'd see them come, come amazing, amazing experience. Manali Bay. Steve picked us up at the airport. He had rented for us a jeep, a uh, it happened to be periwinkle in color. Now, I envisioned when he said, I'm going to get you a Jeep, you know, I envisioned something in red or maybe yellow, but periwinkle would not have been my, my first choice. For those of you who are, are colorblind, it's, it's kind of a bluey, I don't know what it is. It's, Peggy loved the color, okay? That's, that tells you a little bit about periwinkle. When we got in, he said, the Jeep is yours for the week. You can go anywhere on the island. There are no gates. There are no fences. But there are a couple of roads that are closed. And then he rattled off the names. And I figured, okay, roads are closed. There'll be signs, road closed, detour, right? We won't go on those. I said, trust me, we will stay off of those roads. So our first morning, we get in the Jeep. And we, we take off on one of our adventures, not knowing, not having any plans, not knowing where we're going to go, not knowing what we're going to do even for lunch. And we head up towards the interior of the island. Now, it's not a very big island, so we quickly look for, for, for things to do. And Peggy finds a brochure that says, Off-Roading Adventures. Oh, yeah. It's what the rental agency gives out with four-wheel drive vehicles. And the first thing on the list was an off-roading adventure called the Monroe Trail. It said, vistas of four Hawaiian islands. Oh, yeah, that's what we want to see. We came here to see this. 
mountains and, and uh, canyons of Lanai. And so we turn off of one of two paved roads, only two paved roads on Lanai. We turn off onto one of the dirt plantation roads and begin our adventure. We drive past some petroglyphs. We stop and take a look at those. We start heading up. We start to climb in elevation. And as we begin to climb, we stop and can see Maui in the distance and Molokai we saw, Molokini, the big island off in the distance. It was gorgeous. The higher we climbed, the wetter the road got. And there began to be little puddles of mud along the way. And the Jeep was fine. We, you could handle that. It's a four-wheel drive vehicle. And we climbed higher, and you enter the forest of Norfolk Pines. These are the pine trees that Monroe planted to, to drip water. These, they con- condense water at vapor as the moisture moves over the mountains. And they literally rain water onto Lanai. It's a huge part of their water source. The muddier and slippery the road, slippery, is that a, is that a word? It's more slippery. More slippery the road got. I began to, to think, what were those roads that Steve told me we weren't supposed to go on? What are your roads like? What are your life roads like? Are they, are they slippery, muddy? Are they full of ruts and rocks and bumps and, and things that, that jostle you around? Are they smooth and flat and life is good? What are, they, what are they really like? Maybe they're washed out, difficult. You're struggling with that road, just staying on course. Are you on the right road? Are you on the wrong road in life? You know, in hindsight, we should have turned back when I started having these thoughts. You ever get that, you know, that afterthought that, you know, man, I, I, what was I thinking? My family is in this vehicle, and I'm just plowing along. And I know we should have turned back. But when we're on the wrong road, it's hard to turn back. It's, it just seems so inviting. It doesn't seem that bad. After all, all of our friends are doing it. All of our friends are on this path, even though we somehow know it's not the right thing. We can stop. We can turn back. My son, when he was 17, began to smoke which is not something we do, and none of my family was ever smokers. And we said, you know, it's not going to be easy. And he says, no, Dad, when I'm 18, I'm stopping. He was 28 when he finally stopped, and it was not easy. Life is like that. The difficult things, the bad things, sin sucks us in. It pulls us. We think it's not going to be that bad. We think it's going to be okay. We think we can just turn around at any moment and break away from that destructive behavior, that road that we should not be on. But it's not that easy. 
It's hard when we get on the wrong road to get back, especially if we ignore the signs. And often they're just small signs. They're just little things that show us that we're on the wrong road. Peggy and I were on the steep, narrow road, but we were, on, we were definitely on our way to destruction. We were definitely in a place we should not have been. We continued to climb because it was so gorgeous. We cleared a summit and began to descend, and I thought, okay, we did it. We made it. We've gone over the top. It's going to go down. It's going to get better from here on out. And we came up on it so quickly that I didn't really have time to process it. It was a, a, a muddy section of road. And I noticed that there seemed to be a solid section in the middle between the ruts where other people had driven on. And so I steered the Jeep onto that and onto the side of the road. But you know what? I probably was a little hesitant. You know, who knows? The Jeep spun and we ended up straddling that solid piece in the middle of the road, all of the wheels just spinning in, in, in mud and in air. And we were obviously stuck in the mud. I began to think, have we seen anybody else on this road? <laughs> Was there anyone coming the other direction? No, I don't recall ever seeing anyone coming the other direction. And it was over 10 miles just to get back to the paved section. No cell coverage, no highway patrol, no call boxes along the side of the road. There we were, just me and my family and a periwinkle Jeep. (laughs) How do you handle your setbacks? How do you handle your life when difficulties come and it seems to entrap you and and bog you down, hold you from making any progress. Do you just give up? Do you throw in the towel? If we had a towel, we would have wiped the mud off and thrown the towel in, but we didn't even have have a towel. We let our circumstances win in our lives? Is that what we do? Maybe you blame others. See, for us, Steve should have made it more clear. <laughs> it was his fault. He didn't write those names down. He just spouted them off. And, you know, it's, it's like in one ear and out the other. You don't, you don't remember. They don't click anywhere. Strange, strange names. You know, men have been doing this for centuries. It was Adam who said, that's that woman you gave me, God. So we come by it, men, we come by it naturally to blame. Maybe that's what you do. It's someone else's, someone else's fault. I think the most productive thing is to examine our situation, to take an honest assessment of what's happened to us, how we got to where we are, what our current situation is like, and what are the ways we have to get out of it. You know, the Scripture says if you are caught in, a, in, in sin, that you can look for a way of escape, that God provides a way for us to get out of the things that would entrap and ensnare us. To look for those things, I think, is a, is a good thing to do. And then to, to begin to work together. 
Now, I asked my family what I should do, what we all should do. They didn't have a clue, which is probably par for the course. You know, we don't always have solutions when difficulties come our way. And oftentimes, our friends don't have any solutions either. But at least we were there together. At least we were experiencing this together. We were sharing it. And that's kind of what Paul says, share one another's burdens. And by doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. We share each other's hard times, difficult times. And God helps us by providing others into our lives that are there to help. Now, we could see others had been stuck in the same place because there were branches that had been broken off of the trees around us. In fact, the woods almost on either side of this hole had been totally stripped of branches. They were thrown into the mud to create traction. And so we began to follow suit, the leadership of others who had gone before us. We took branches and stuffed them under the tires. We cleaned mud out, and finally we rocked the Jeep until it finally spun off of the bump, and and at least the tires were now, even though they were in mud, they were at least in parallel in in a way we could go forward, and we began to rock the Jeep. I I learned to to shift forward, back, forward, back, forward, back, and and my sons were behind. Peggy was behind. We were pushing, rocking this Jeep, stuck in the mud, and finally it began to move forward. And I know one thing. If you're ever stuck in mud, the worst thing you can do is try and get out fast. <laughs> you don't get out fast. You, you take, you, you go it slowly. And I, I, I knew that. And so I didn't try to get out fast. Just slowly we moved forward. And eventually we crawled out of the mud onto, it wasn't dry land, but it was at least less muddy on the outside of that. We try to get out of all kinds of things fast. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in mud either. I looked back at where we had come down the road and I could tell right away there was no going back. We had come down a fairly steep embankment. It was actually steeper than it looked from the top coming down, especially coming up on it fairly quickly. We could not go back. We could only go forward, not really knowing what lie ahead. It was, you know, how many more mud holes? Would there be even worse? And there were worse ahead. But we had no choice. We now had to suffer the consequences of our decisions. You know, can we safely reach our destinations in life, the the goals and and destinations that that we see before us? Will we actually be able to, to accomplish the goals and dreams that we have, the vision that God has for us? Can we actually do that? Especially when it seems like when we've just cleared one hurdle, there's another that takes its place, and then another, and then another Once you're on the wrong road, it's hard to get back. It's so hard to get back. There are no shortcuts. There are no quick detours. 
And sometimes you have to go on and face whatever comes. Some of the things you can change, some of the little decisions we make in life that, that are wrong and bad for us, they, they can be changed. We can heal from them. You see my bump here. I, I hit my head on a rock. It will heal. Hopefully next week you won't even be able to tell. Hopefully. But sometimes life brings us very difficult things that we cannot change, that we do not heal from. The death of someone we love who is close to us, we cannot change. It's just part of our road. Maybe there's a divorce in your life. Maybe there's just plain illness and pain that are just part of, of every day and that cannot be changed. And yet God calls us to continue on. He does not let us throw in the towel, but he encourages us along the road to his great outcome, to achieve what he has planned for us. And he has planned something for each one of us, something great, something fabulous, an, an amazing adventure that he has for us. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. God wants to be our co-adventurer. He wants to enjoy our adventure with us. Not the hard times. He would rather us not get into those. But so often we don't listen. We don't see the signs. And that's where we go. But he goes with us anyway. He walks with us anyway. You see, God is our co-adventurer. And into our adventure, he brings co-adventurers with us. Our, our friends, our family in the faith, our churches. We have to rely on our companions sometimes. They're there to help us. And dear friends, we are there to help them as well. It's not that we go to church just to hear great music and enjoy hearing someone speak and then go away till next week. We come together as the body of Christ to help each other and to be helped by each other, to rely on each other in those difficult times. I, I feel so much for people who are outside any fellowship body. We hear them often call the church office. They've pushed the church away. They've pushed Christian fellowship away. They've pushed involvement away. And now the mud hole has come and they don't know what to do and they don't know who to reach out to. And we're there for them. But what I mean by saying that is, you know what? We have an opportunity that is unbelievable. Our society create, uh, craves relationships. That's why social media is such a, a prolific thing. That's why Richard is tweeting. I don't know why Richard's tweeting. I don't know if he has that much to say, but, you know. <laughs> but we want people to know us, right? We want people to know what we're doing and what we're thinking and Maybe we want to know what some celebrities are doing and thinking, but we really don't want to know what our obnoxious friends are thinking and doing. 
But you see, that's what God does to us and calls us together as a church so that we might rely and hold on to each other because when we do, we can defy the odds of the world around us. We can reach our destinations. We can get out of the things that would hold us in and suck us in and keep us from moving forward. Now, the farther away you are, From the road God wants you to be on, the longer and harder it takes to get back. It's not easy to get back. I'm not here to whitewash anything. It takes work sometimes. It takes some sacrifice. It takes making hard decisions sometimes to get back. Fighting against all of the forces that are holding us in this bad situation. But when we get back, God is there to keep us and hold us on the right road. Now, there was about 10 more mud sections that we had to endure on my Hawaiian adventure. We stopped at each one to assess whether we could get through it or whether it would again entrap us. I started picking up my speed because I found with a little bit of extra speed, we could almost get through it before we got slowed down and, and stuck, right? So it was like water skiing in the mountains on these, these mud, mud sections. At one time, the road was so slippery and the tires were so caked with mud, it was all I could do to keep the Jeep on the road. It, was, it wanted to spin from side to side, and the road dropped away because it was a ridge trail on each side. My adrenaline was pumping. My heart was pounding. My kids later said it was better than any Disneyland ride they've ever been on. (laughs) Finally, I saw color. I saw another vehicle parked along the road up ahead. And I breathed a sigh of relief because I now knew that there was somebody else that if we needed help, we could go and contact them. They happened to be hunters. This was a a, a hunting area of the island. And they were were up there in their big truck, four-wheel drive truck with mud tires. And they were standing outside holding their guns, wearing their camo, watching us as we drove by. I later thought to myself, they must be thinking, what are the tourists doing up here? Because that's what we were. My friend Steve, after we told him about our adventure, and he wrung his head and hands and said, no, I signed papers that you wouldn't go on that. It's a $450 towing fee, and you have to pay the daily rental until it's dry enough to go up with a tow truck to get you out. He says, the locals never go up there when it's like that. (laughs) We would have waited forever. If they do, they take two vehicles, one to tow the stuck one out. Yeah. You know, the road can be our trap or it can be an adventure. It can sometimes be a little bit of both. God wants it to be our adventure. He wants us to not just sit And watch others have adventures. He wants us to have those adventures. He wants us to experience life and all that God has in store for us. 
And we don't get that by sitting down. We only get that by getting up and moving forward. That's what God wants for Highlands, I believe. You are on an adventure. In fact, that's part of your name, part of your web name, right? It's an adventure that God has leading you on. You don't always know where that adventure goes. Sometimes it's a little scary. Sometimes you feel like you're stuck and not moving. But God is there walking with us, leading us. The vistas are worth it. The destination is worth it. God calls us to be his church on the road, sharing our adventure with him. He rejoices in that. Let us follow and walk with him as we move forward on the road that Christ lays out before us. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you that you don't just call us to come and sit, but that you call us to come and adventure, that you call us to come and enjoy what you have laid out before us, that you have called us to be your people faithfully on the road, faithfully experiencing your love, faithfully sharing what you have given to each of us, that others might not get stuck, that others might join that adventure, that others might desire to walk with us and with you. Lord, thank you for your call in our lives. Thank you that you are there when we are stuck, when life is hard, when, we, when it seems there is no way to get out. Help us to look for you. Help us to feel you. Help us to know that your spirit is there that we have nothing to fear, but that you call us to move forward. Help us to be eager to follow. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.